Rolling. Renegades. Andre and I had this big idea. Nurses know how to solve shit. Renegades. Oh, that's like extra spicy. Uh-huh. <laughs> it makes you extra spicy. It makes me extra spicy. Like scouring the dark web. Um, Maggie Ortiz. Maggie Ortiz. We saw, we met Maggie at the National Nurses and Business Conference. And uh, I think she actually was on fire. <laughs> no, I was just like, about to say fireball. Coming, it's like, it's, excuse me, ma'am, there's smoke coming out your ears. You, you want to talk? You want to talk about it? Well, when you ask Maggie, well, what is it that you do? Just stand back. <laughs> so we wanted to have Maggie on our podcast so she could tell all of you why she's on fire. So Maggie, hi. Welcome to the Arnie Gate podcast. I love these ladies. I feel so blessed to have crossed their paths. And yes, I'm on fire. I am. I've been a nurse for 22 years. And like I told these ladies, when I was a nurse for about 15 years, I went to the board of nursing. So by this time I had worked in the ICU, the ER, pre-op, PACU, endo, IR, cath lab, everywhere but labor and delivery by choice. No disrespect, but I'm, I'm good. So procedural areas, just not the traditional OR and not L&D, right? So every department, freestanding emergency rooms, surgery centers, local travel. So end up at the board of nursing as an investigator. Was there for a short period of time. And all nurses, if you don't understand what that means in the intersection between your license and the law, you better. So when I was there and I saw that they were what I now know to be like due process wasn't happening. Like a nurse wasn't being called and saying, hey, will you want to tell me your side of the story? I was discouraged from doing that. There were practice cases being investigated by criminal investigators. And I just felt like this is ugly. This is not okay. Like, and, and I didn't know anything about law, right? I'm a nurse. I just came from the emergency room, literally, where I can save your life. But this kind of stuff, I mean, they weren't calling what I felt would be like experts. Like you see in court, you're like, well, no, they call an expert. Not, not at the board of nursing, they don't. Not at the Texas board of nursing. Now every board is different, right? And that's so why I left. I stayed for about six months. And then I was like, who am I going to tell? Who, who am I going to tell? So I reached out to the governor, like, yeah, we don't own the board of nursing. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you mean? And then I started reaching out to my representatives. Yeah, no, we don't own them. We don't own them. Uh, okay, so I went to the attorney general. No, nope, we don't own the board of nursing. I'm like, so, so who oversees them? No one does. No, nope, no one. So most boards of nursing really have no oversight. And so, yes, that's why I'm on fire. So I came on back out and I felt Wait, like- who- who created the board of nursing like where did those where did they come from so when people say the board of nursing they oftentimes don't really even understand when they say that word and not being disrespectful so there are board members who get appointed by the um so the executive director is appointed by the governor and then there are board members who sit on there who normally represent rn practice np practice rn uh uh, LVN, RN, and then they do like direct patient care versus like outpatient. So that's who's supposed to represent you. Then 
There is the workings within the border nursing, which I fell under enforcement. I never saw these people, right? They were very far removed from my everyday work, which I was investigating the nurse, right? So there's enforcement, endorsement, and then like consulting and education away from the board members, right? Because they're not really doing anything outside of making like bigger decisions. Like maybe after the nurse has been disciplined and now your orders are being ratified, then they're going to sit there or there's an eligibility committee. They're going to sit there, but they're not in the inner workings of the every day of the board of nursing. Um, well, so um, to, if you know, to Karen's point, like historically, do you know the history of that? Like, how did that, how did that come into being? Because if there's not an, if it's not an oversight, if it's not, you know, there to protect nurses, then what was the purpose originally? The public, to protect the public. So initially in Texas, there were two different boards. There was an LVN board and an RN board. And those were created, like there's civil, criminal, and administrative law. They don't understand what they do. So they hand it over to the state's and that's nursing, medicine, lawyers, teachers, anyone who holds uh, a, a professional license, they hand it over to them. And through administrative law a million years ago, they created these boards. They said, you know what you do. You need to figure out your, your standards of care, whatever those are, right? And then you need to write your own rules and regulations and then the conduct that you're going to discipline and then how you're going to do that. You need to let the nurses see the, the matrix what the possibilities are, and that they have to disclose that. But in that, they created a tribunal. And so that means that they answer to no one. So when you create that, that means that they answer to no one, right? So a lot of nurses don't even know, like in Texas, if you go all the way to a trial, the judge doesn't get to make the final decision. It's a suggested, but it's never final, which is different than civil and criminal law. And I know I just unloaded a lot. Well, that's okay, uh, because uh, now we can simplify. We're going to mm -hmm. stick a pin right there, because as you've been talking, well, there's like five things I want to ask you, but I want to start with you. Yeah. Why isn't anybody else as angry as you are? Don't answer that yet. And what happened to you? <laughs> like, what happened to you in your life? I, I love the justice scales in the background. Are you a Libra, by the way? I'm a cancer. Oh, me? Oh, yeah, I got a lot of cancer in me. I mean, you know, astrologically. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, see, I just scrolled off and forgot my own question. But okay, so what is it about you? Were you born that way or did something happen that made you like that? Were you born that way? I was. I was born a little bit spicy and I'll just give you an example. Since you asked, I was uh, in middle school. There was a fight behind like the grocery store or whatever. So we all go down there, right? Two white folk fighting. Minorities are all standing there. My dad was active duty. So I grew up with a bunch of, you know, mixed, right? Yeah. <clears throat> the police are called. They come. We Everyone runs, right? Because we're all teenagers. They immediately go after the Black people who have nothing to do with it. And just out of my mouth comes, what, what are you doing? That's discrimination. Why are you going after them? They immediately took me down to the police station, called my dad, who was active duty in his first shirt, who had to come down because I was potentially inciting a riot. So oh, I You were in middle school? <laughs> middle like school. Yes. Seventh grade or something? 
Seventh or eighth, but don't don't get crazy. Ooh, I want to hear about high school if that's what you were doing in middle school. <laughs> That's so when she that's, that's when she found the on button to the fire hose. And since then she's learned to aim it. <laughs> Correct. And then my dad used to say my mouth overrides my ass. So I do think it does take a certain person who is just maybe more outspoken or an activist. So I do feel like I'm now called to nurses. I'm not called to nursing. Right. And that's when I saw that because I've been practicing for 15 years. Right. So I knew all the Mickey Mouse stuff that they do to us, the ridiculous stuff. So I was, yeah. I was, I was not five years in where you're too naive. I wasn't a decade in. I was 15 years into the business of healthcare. I was not naive. So then I felt like, wait, there's mitigating circumstances that nurses not are not being extended. And then the activists came out and me, I was like, wait, what? And then I got mad. Right. And I don't understand why no one else is. Cause there are other people who know this, the judge at the last time I testified and I know we're going down a lot of rabbit holes, an administrative case. We were in a breakout room because it was Zooms during COVID. So it's the two judges, her lawyer, the respondent, because you're called the respondent when you're under investigation, and myself. The judge asked the nurse, why do you think you're here? She said, retaliation. The judge said, I oftentimes see nurses here due to retaliation. I'm there as her expert and not as an activist. I'm so pissed. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. We, we, you repeat that for me? Because I just wanted to say it again. I was so angry. Like, why doesn't she have a duty to us? Like, as the judge, you sit here day in and day out, knowing the board is retaliating against us. You hold a professional license. You know that you can report them and you've done nothing about it. What do you I mean by that. retaliation? Yeah. Was, yeah. So in her case specifically, she was in her 60s. She had been given urethromy or gent. I'm sorry. She was given genomycin for whatever. She was sick. It caused hearing loss, which we all know that's an unfortunate side effect, right? So she went back to work. You know how we are. We can be not nice people. I don't want to cuss. I don't know about the rules. Um, no we rules. Right, we you can be you have the green light. <laughs> we can just be ugly and catty to one another, right? She comes back to work. It's very clicky. They're being ugly to her. They're making fun of her. They're saying, oh, clicky, clicky, like doing stuff like the, her hearing. They're making fun of her hearing loss. She files an EEOC complaint. All of a sudden, the seasoned nurse with, well, you know, 30-some years gets reported to the Board of Nursing with 32 allegations, which she was able to do, of course, with her lawyer and myself going through. I said, you don't talk about retaliation. We're going to keep it to just the facts, ma'am. And we did. No Cipro given. Done. Move on to the next one. Not given a flu bolus. Next. Move on. Given. They had to drop it against her. But it cost three years of her life and she wasn't able to work because they formally charged her because she didn't agree with the allegations. Wait, what was what? So <laughs> she filed an EV. What was EV? EV uh, ECOC. Yeah, e, I said it wrong. Yes. <clears throat> What's ECOC? Equal. So like if you're being discriminated against, so if you have hearing loss, you're protected by disability. Yeah. So then she filed with against the organization because the staff was discriminating against her. And when you work for an organization, they're responsible for you. So she had a legitimate case against them. They didn't like that. Right. And I'm sure the nurses were being talked to about their conduct. Right. Because, you know, if there's a complaint, they got called into the office and possibly written up. So then they started, you know, harassing her and being ugly to her as well. She got fired. So she was being retaliated against. So and they so someone reported her to the board. 
So, and then if you think that you're perfect and you've never made an error in that chart, you're kidding yourself. Because once you get reported, they then go back to the time that you're 18 years old, right? And that I had a problem with that. Like, that's one of my complaints, right? One of my concerns. Once I started digging around and started figuring out things, like I was told to go back to the time you're 18. So if you're 65 and you're still practicing at the bedside, and now you get reported to the board of nursing, I'm looking back to the time you're 18 years old. And that meant going to microfish. And I was like, wait, what? Wait. Oh my gosh. Can you tell me about the microfish? Because it's been since elementary school since I touched that. And I'm 49. Uh, um, okay, so back just back really quick to this part about, you know, how you were in middle school. And when we just really quick, because I there's a million questions and trying to, you know, this is a, very new to me, this information. So I'm kind of like, oh yeah, if I don't know this and I've been a nurse for 20 years, who knows this, right? But you said something at the NNBA about how people, I don't know if it were nurses or or whatever, but complained that your voice was loud. That I'm... That you're, that you're fireball. Yep. So... Called activated. I'm called all these words. I've been told the CNO activated. was called... Right, the CNO was called... Um, and told that I was trying to unionize the nurses. And so she called my boss. But of course, you know that they don't understand that we're allowed to talk about unionization. But the second that I bring that up to their ignorant asses, then I'm being, you know, insubordinate. I'm I'm, I'm done with that. You know I am. I'm, I just can't tolerate it. I'm like, you're so ignorant that you don't even know that, hey, you can't even write, we're allowed to talk about unionization. If, as long as I'm not in a patient area, we're in, I'm in the break room. There are rules, and I, I don't know them all, right? I have no idea, but I know that that is protected. You are absolutely allowed to talk about unionization in the workplace. Yeah, I, I'm going to get a little bit nebulous because when I spoke to you at the conference and you told me that the board protects the public and not the nurses, that flipped my paradigm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Actually, it joined up with an already flipped paradigm when nurses are part of the bed charge and the public needs to be protected from nurses. It's from the top down. No wonder. You know, you only put up with what you think you deserve. But if the culture breeds that in you from nursing school, because whether it's talked about or not, it's, it's, infused in everything and that's unions only exist to protect people who are putting up with something that they don't deserve mm-hmm. you know you don't need unions when inherently you're unfuckwithable we've had safe staffing and i was just educated about not using the word ratio but limits i didn't know this so you should say safe patient limits and not ratios that those, some of these bills have been around for 20 years. You know who lobbies against us? The hospitals, the physicians, right? It's not in their best interest to have more, because if you need safe staffing, that means more nurses. And so what is that? Money. So these have been around for 20 years, 20. If they were actually interested, and there it is, just like you talked about, because when I was reached out by leaders in Austin and asked me if I knew about the, the unionization, of course I did, I helped them, absolutely. And again, asking me, you know, again, is that the answer? I don't know. But again, it's, I said, it bears the question, why? Band-aid, yeah. Why? 
Why are they so desperate to reach out to NNU or who it is they're reaching out? Because you've been listening to them? Did, did you pass safe staffing bills in this state when we needed PPE? What were you doing? Hold on, was the workman's comp passed in my state? Because it wasn't in Texas. So I'm sorry, why are they trying to unionize? There, there, there is no protection here. So, and that's what I just left it with. I'm like, leave me alone. You know what? These nurses feel so desperate. They were putting patients in a body bag once an hour, right? Because if you do the math, if you're working in the ICU during COVID, the likelihood that you are literally zipping someone up every hour, and I want you to digest that. I mean, it's just horrible. The abuse is against us, and it is. It's the culture. I don't understand it. We do. That's what we're doing here. But that's why we're talking about it. Um, we're flipping the culture around. But it's going to take some time. I don't think as much, because I think when you reach that critical mass, it's going to be like, oh, no. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll suck at this. You're fired. You all suck at right. this. You're fired. Yeah. Um Go, Antra. No, go. I'm I have to find my pin again. Okay. okay. Uh, so one thing that we we want to give voice to people like you because you're speaking for so many nurses out there who are listening to you and going, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, really, every nurse, we, right? Yeah, yeah. Every uh, nurse. But what we don't want to do, or no, we don't want to stop there, is what I'm saying, is because now what's the solution? Now, you are one person coming up with a solution, or at least, meanwhile, educating while you defend. You know, I learned so much speaking to you in 10 minutes mm -hmm. at that yeah, conference. Yeah, I did too. And I had no idea. Like, Holy shizzle. Like, Holy everybody shit, needs, Karen. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs to know this. So it's like top down, bottom up, inside out, right? So there is a problem. And defense is a band-aid. What you do, you you advocate. So that's the Band-Aid. It's not the fix. But you're also educating. So the top down is the Band-Aid. But the bottom up is what do nurses, with the way the system is now, not yet evolved and not yet changed, how do we protect ourselves? So number one, tell us about mm -hmm. when you found this out, what you found yourself then doing for nurses and maybe some stories. And then remember what I say now, Andre, okay. so you can remind her. Well, you next. Remember. <laughs> yeah. So number one, after you found out what was going on, what you then did. So that's your work now in advocating for nurses. And the second thing I want you to talk about is what can nurses do to prevent themselves from getting into situations that need to be defended? Sure. So once I found out, I couldn't stay at the board. I, I left. I found another job, actually went to the cath, back to the cath lab. I was like, I'm done, I can't do it. And then I just started creeping around, started asking questions. I went to a nursing association meeting and I started talking about my experience and they immediately came over to me. And some of them already knew, TNA already knew. There are people who had already been speaking about this, PhD prepared people. So it wasn't brand new. They were mirroring stuff that I was saying from the inside. They were seen because nurses were coming to them. Example being Dr. Death, the not Kevorkian, but the one that, right, the neurosurgeon, right? There were nurses. There was a, scrub, a nurse that was actually scrubbed into a case. That's why verbal safe harbor was created in my state. I, got, I just got lost. Yeah. Is that, that was, is that the one they did that podcast on? And a movie. Yeah. That, uh, that neuro doctor that was 
totally incompetent and well, and there was staff speaking out against him and you know mm-hmm. they were and, him. yeah like, they were I, I don't know that story a nurse that you should struck- listen to that podcast what's that podcast called it, i think it's, it's called dr death dr death it's pretty good it's fascinating so it's the neurosurgeon out of dallas texas who uh killed his best friend right he harmed all those patients they a ton of moving him along. I mean, when you hear about like what, what Baylor did, you're like, holy cow. I mean, because again, he's a neurosurgeon. It was finally his peers, finally, repeatedly, who finally reported him. And then they had to pull him. He's doing time now. Because the ner- even though the nurses in the techs in, this, in the OR would complain, they'd go to their boss, they'd say, hey, this guy's unsafe. I mean, he was leaving screws inside people in places that didn't even involve the Muscle. surgery site. It right. was so he terrible. Was screwing into muscle. He was screwing into muscle. We don't, we don't do that. Yeah. And I know OR, right? I'm, I'm not. I, cath lab, IR, that's about, but the things that he was, was so egregious and the staff was speaking up again about it mm-hmm. and doing that, you know, they weren't doing anything. They were firing them, uh, <gasps> right? Nurses went to the nursing association and that's again, the, was a nurse that was scrubbed in. And so she couldn't file the paperwork for safe Harbor Safe Harbor in my state is a peer review process that a nurse can call if she feels like he or she feels like they've been given an unsafe assignment. There's one also that um, if you have an objection to a physician order, you fill that form out. You can say it verbal now in this state due to that case. So they took it to TNA. Um, so when I came out, I just started doing some research, saw that they, there was really, I just started calling people, asking questions. The governor was like, nope, we don't own you. My representatives, nope, we don't own you. And I'm like, but this seems the AG. So then I just started working with some activists. I started going to the Capitol. I connected with some people. I got asked to start being activists with them. Uh, Got asked to be on a health advisory committee for a representative. And oftentimes I leave my own political party because when it comes to nursing stuff, I don't pick an aisle and I can assure you, I have to muscle through things that I feel are so disgusting, but it's about us, right? So some of the other political views that I don't carry, I just have to endure that because I'm there for nursing board reasons and not that. So I wrote a bill for an ombudsman, myself and another activist. Uh, We just looked at childcare. Every state protects elderly, the children, the mentally health, the, the mentally, you know, incapable. So they have an ombudsman. So we took that and we just used that cross through and just made it healthcare. That was before COVID. They wouldn't, you know, I was seeing if they would pick it up. COVID hit, they got distracted. So still now, re, you know, trying to present that, we're literally working with someone because a lot of times they want you to write the bill. So learning how to write a bill. So working with their chief of staff. So we just finished that yesterday, going to send that over to the legal team to hopefully get that, you know, possibly into place. And then I wrote some due process clauses and then just started doing activist work, started speaking to nurses, reaching out to people, connecting to people. Cause I feel just so called to educate nurses because nurses normally call me or I've seen nurses and it's too late to a certain degree, right? Cause now you have your orders in front of you, right? Now the board has reached out to you. Now you have to give your response within 30 days. But Maggie, what, so what do you think though, like if nobody kind of, if there's no oversight over nursing boards and then nursing boards aren't, 
um, there to protect the nurse, they're there to protect the public, then at that level, what is the answer? Like in your, in your view, what kind of oversight would, would you like to see? Because it feels like nursing as a profession needs to be nursing as a profession, right? Where we are our own oversight, right? We don't need to ask permission from, you know, the higher ups or government or whatever. Um, but that's obviously not happening. So how does that, how do we, how do we change that? And right, really embody nursing as a profession, like doctors, like, you know, every other profession out there and not a bedside charge. It should mirror what I feel like the civil world is. So when I've testified in the civil world, they have a lot of rules to include locality. So there are some states that I cannot testify in because I don't practice in that state. There's a different culture. There's a different population. There's different disease processes, possibly to that culture, to that area. So civilly, they have rules like you have to have been practicing in that discipline. If it's an ICU case, you have to have been practicing in ICU the year the case took place and maybe two or, you know, within three or four years. So why isn't that at the board of nursing, right? So why shouldn't it be held? Like if, uh, to me, a true third party entity should be if it's an ICU case, the ombudsman is not funded by the board of nursing. That money comes from somewhere else. Figure it out. Every state don't give a shit. Work it out. And that they call experts. If it's an ICU case, you call five experts like they do with the board of medicine. Right. You have experts you can pull from. Right. And then it would be like a peer review. Right. Then. You get to sit there, you get to say, okay, this is what happens. Cause you and I know, right? Every, like at a smaller hospital, what your resources will, would be to a bigger hospital meet even, or you're in the ICU versus you're in the operating room. So it should be specific to that discipline, even to someone who worked in a rural area. Cause what you may think is acceptable in a rural area would never stand in, you know, at a level one possibly, right? right. But you wouldn't know that. And so you would want other nurses there who are, who know your discipline and where you come from say, hey, nope, she was doing actually what she should have been doing. So for me, it shouldn't be funded by the Board of Nursing. It should be independent, just like all these diversion programs are. Anyone who gets an alternative to discipline, which is a, you know, if you get a DUI or you divert drugs, that's not funded by the Board of Nursing. That's independently sponsored, right? It should be the same. So, um, okay. So what I, let me see if I can um, articulate this. So first it's that nurses in the same discipline should be part of the, the, the peer review, right? Like they should be part of that process because they, they know the, the, like rural versus, you know, level one, but in the discipline of ICU, for, for example, they know that area. So they're most suited to speak to, was there, you know, misconduct? Was there an error? Was there, is that, that's right? Yeah. So it would be the same, like with, with a civil case, you have to, what makes it a malpractice <clears throat> case is that you have an expert, a nurse or a physician who's picking the cake case up, which is different from just negligence. It becomes malpractice when you have an expert because an expert said this meets merit. And that can be just by a legal nurse consultant. Then they call the legal nurse consultant would say, okay, we need to get an expert. Call Maggie for the cath lab, call you, know, mm -hmm. you for the OR or whatever your discipline is, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it, okay. uh, that's what makes it uh, 
different. Well, f and fair. Correct. <laughs> yes. Fairer. Right. Fairer. If the investigator looks at the case, they're a nurse. They say yes, just like it would be the legal nurse consultant. It comes to the law firm. The lawyer hands it over to the legal nurse consultant. Maybe a discipline she's never done or no practice, but knows what the nurse practices, knows, right, has education, says, yes, this violates, but I don't know all of it, but we're going to call an ICU nurse. Same with the board of nursing. The RN investigator looks at it, says, yes, this does not fall within the scope of practice, and I'm going to call Maggie, who's a cath lab nurse, and we're going to talk about it, right? That that just mm -hmm. seems fair to me. You're calling that discipline yeah. to understand it. And you're saying nurses don't get that at all. And you're lucky if you get called, right? Because I'm just telling you what they told me when I was at my board, right? Now, that's not every state, but I've helped nurses. I'm going on, on about a decade. There are some states that are fairer than others. There are some states where you do fall under the attorney general, but there's no, like, good 100% process, unfortunately. What do you mean they don't get called? Like they, they don't even get called to defend themselves. Like they just found out like there's a reporting and people talk about you behind their back and behind your back and there's no room for your own defense and they make a decision. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I was hoping that you were going to interrupt me at any time. <laughs> I can say, no, that's not right. <laughs> You're, oh my gosh. And so that's why I became on fire sister. Cause that, what if that was your eye? Literally. And that's where I felt. I'm an empath, literally. And I was like, what if this is me? What if this is someone I stood next to? Right. And you and I both know that things can happen. Right. And it happens like this. Yeah. Right. And then they're looking at, well, at 557, this is what you did. No, no, I was actually taking care of the patient. Right. I actually documented that after I was doing the care. Right. Because I am not documented before I do it. And, and it's not real time documentation. Right? right. Unless you're looking at the code sheet or you're in the cath lab. That is never real time documentation. And they don't know that. And then you have these people who are investigating you. And, and now it could be, there are 210,000 preventable medical deaths a year. Did you want to say that again? So <laughs> I think that's 210,000 preventable deaths. That's not the injuries because there's another 200,000. Yes, you can Google that. That's a fact. Th oh, that, we, we are, other... we are, I, I thought it was more actually. Well, it's, it's probably down. more upward of 400. <laughs> no, 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 that's deaths. So I'll, the other 200,000 are the ones that are injured from errors, which could be human, could be just and or omission. So total about 420 yeah. that we could be involved in, 210 die from us, third leading cause of death in the nation. The other 200,000 could have been admitted care or, because again, say, say you're in the cath lab. And those are the ones that are reported. Well, I was just going to say, there's no mandatory reporting in every state. So if you're Correct. not in that, in a mandatory reporting state. Correct. That, well, that again, leaves. And nurses, like, they don't realize, like, like if you're in the, in a procedure area, the patient gets contrast, they have an allergy to it. You don't know that, but you act accordingly. Everyone does. The patient has an anaphylactic reaction, gets intubated, goes to the ICU. That was not knowingly and willfully. Malpractice is that you knowingly and willfully do something. That's an unintentional error that no, or, or outcome that no one could have predicted. But you acted accordingly. They got solumedrol. They got sub-Q epi. You secured the airway. They got to a high level of care. You did your due diligence. Unfortunately, stuff happens. There's no, there's no malpractice there, right? 
it's malpractice when you knowingly willingly i'm in the in the cath lab i'm uh recovering two patients they want to give me another one say i can only have two right i'm in the pacu i'm phase one i have two airways they want to give me a third patient i knowingly and willingly take a third patient and one of these patients have a bad outcome i knowingly and willingly knew that that's not the normal right that it's not safe but i knowingly and willingly took that assignment a patient had a bad outcome that's malpractice but see, that's the culture, right? And that's the whole idea of like saying no. Like I'm not taking a third patient. I'm just not right. doing it. You know, and, and fire, that, fire my ass if you have to. Right. I'm not doing that's it. That's what I tell nurses, right? And that's called approximate cause. That's what my healthcare worker, you know, because you have the knowledge, education, and training, you knowingly and willingly, they call it approximate cause. There is a name for it because we have education and training that other people don't have. And what they do, they're going to have you talk about yourself. Oh my God, tell me about your education. What, you have a master's degree? Oh my God, you have ACLS and you're a critical care nurse. Oh my God, how amazing. You're going to dig your hole, dig it, dig it, dig it. And then they're going to start ripping you apart. Then they're going to start talking about the standards of care and they're going to put your documentation up on the big screen and I want you to go when you're at the grocery store, that's your jury, right? That's the people who are going to be judging you. So I just want you to be real clear about that. So now your documentation's up on the big screen and you wrote like a first grader. Yeah. So I'm codependent is not a good defense. <laughs> or I love when they say they told me, or he said, I, the board of nursing, because I tell nurses, I want you to defend yourself. You can't say the doctor said it. You can't say the hospital said it because in my state, 1514 says literally that my license and I'm quoting supersedes a physician order or hospital policy. So I want you to defend yourself of what you did. And you can't say when you stand before God, you cannot say they told me go. Do you know what's so interesting is that hospitals, when they get into a, a, a legal um, issue with the physician, call the nurses to testify so it's so like, it's such a, a um, abusive relationship because here you are being called to testify. And if you say no, they're going to subpoena you if you were involved in the case, right? Well, and the board of nursing says that you cannot, you have to comply. So that civil yeah, yeah. case, yeah. Could be, yeah. So could then be you go not comply. Correct. And then you go to testify and it's like, what I am actually testifying for the hospital. Like, and I don't have a choice in the matter, right? I mean, that's... So I just got off the phone with so a lawyer. So annoying. <laughs> I just talked to a lawyer earlier, and then I talked to a lawyer yesterday. Because, again, the there have been a couple of nurses that have called me because they've been deposed, right? Yeah. And now the hospital is defending you? T tell me about it. Tell no, they're not defending you. They're using you to get... To make sure that they win to the defend case. Themselves. To defend themselves. And then they're throwing you to the wolves. How is that not a conflict of interest? Because if you go to the bottom of that petition that, that sent to the hospital, it tells you the lawyers, right? The, the hospital has a lawyer. The physician has a lawyer. The nurse practitioner has a lawyer. Oh, I don't, where, who's your lawyer here? RN. I'm sorry. Where's that at? LVN? Where? But you know, oh, but, but Maggie, you don't even, so I, I have been deposed. Before we get too far, I just wanted to say this slowly again, what you said about five minutes ago to any ICU nurse, because I was in that situation so many times. And actually the last shift I ever worked, um, I wrote myself up. <laughs> 
because nobody else would because they wanted to sweep whatever happened under the rug. If you are an ICU nurse and you knowingly and willingly take a third patient, that's or malpractice. Or imagine that you have someone on, on CRT, high frequency, you have a reason, right? Because those those are one-to-ones, right? Yeah. And if you, right, if you, if your patient is a one-to-one and you, they're like, we, we, uh, Sally Sue fell down or someone called in. So did the nurse manager scrub up? Is a charge nurse taking a page? Did you call the director of nursing? Because mm -hmm. what, what else are you doing? Because again, and, and if I can say that and I'm documenting that, right? Call, call. And then, right, if, if you, there is no one. Right. And then that patient's going to die without, then that, that's a different animal. Right. But you better be following, filing uh, alternative, uh, what, no, it's called objection. No, it's called, it's ADO. It's uh, accept despite objection. That's normally in union. So you better be filling that out. And then Texas, safe harbor. But yes, if you take an additional, patient you as a nurse right and then they're going to call a wolf to, to a pine and that's the word against you saying that they would never never ever 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 and then they're going to talk about these apache scores and how your patient found a high acuity and they're going to pull on peer-reviewed articles and evidence-based practices and then ask you to defend yourself so so i think that actually goes so wait, was... all ad sorry accept despite objection and do all hospitals have to have one of those forms no, they do not have to have them at all. Those are only like in union hospitals. Like I think every, that's something I advocate for. Like every hospital that employs nurses should have that. Okay. But that's what I wanted to like make a point about is like, we don't even recognize in the culture of nursing, and this isn't to complain, but to make nurses aware that you have a legal right to a break, right? So there are instances where you will be working on call on a weekend and it's you and it's the tech. And so if surgeons are scheduling cases, this is just an example in the OR, one after the other, yeah, you don't get a break. Like they don't they don't want to sit around and and let you have lunch, but it's because nurses don't say no. I need right. a break. I need to sit down. You don't sometimes you don't even get to pee in a 12 right. hour on-call shift and we all recognize that and then it goes then to this next level right where you could get deposed and you don't even know really you don't know anything about the 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 legal ramifications behind being deposed especially if it's to support the hospital right like that is just the the and lack that, of knowledge that, that we have right and that testimony that's recorded can be presented in other cases right that's public record now. You gave a deposition and they can play that at your border nursing trial. And the border nursing will wait, especially like if you have a criminal case, I because the border nursing is a poor entity. So the second you're fingerprinted, everyone knows that goes to the border nursing, right? So the second you're arrested, not ticketed, you're arrested and you're fingerprinted, that literally, I would get pictures of nurses. That was just, you know, with their number or whatever. Right? No, I and didn't I, know that. Yeah, so in 2016, <laughs> when I first went to the Board of Nursing, the Board of Nursing made all RNs in the state of Texas become fingerprinted. Do you know how many cases that opened up? <gasps> I mean, it was out of control. I mean, because then they had, once nurses got fingerprinted, then all this stuff started coming in that nurses didn't report. And then they had to open up cases against nurses that could have been years old. Well, that's the thing is it seems like there's such a lack of knowledge and part of the solution and what you're doing is educating. But 
like it has to get out on a bigger scale because I mean, I've been a nurse for 20 years and it took me 15 to realize that it, uh, it was the law that I had got to have a break. Like yeah, I had but, no idea. But, and, and what Maggie's saying is if you don't take a break, it's malpractice. Because yeah. They'll, they'll right. pull out peer reviewed yeah. research yeah. articles exactly. that say that the human, yeah. the hippocampus can only yeah. whatever do so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. That's Absolutely. why you have a break. No. Right. And then you should have said, no, you knew it was unsafe, but you still accepted the assignment and you chose to work. And then they're going to call a wolf who's going to get on the stand like they did against Redonda. Right. And again, I just want to, I have criticism with her. Right. And only because that expert nurse got on the stand. And when she was asked under oath, if she had read the CMS report, she said, no, that's unethical. That is absolutely unethical. How could she have not read the 300 CMS page, which I got? It was public record. CMS. Reporters, uh, Centers for Medicaid and Medicare. When they came in and they smacked Vanderbilt down, that's all public record. Anytime that there's an entity that has anything put out, like for us, if you get sanctions on your license, you are reported to nurses and you are SYS, and that never goes away. Anyone who's been reported, like I went to Redondas, like I printed hers out. Anyone can look at your orders. So what you were sent in the mail is what then gets scanned in the public record. And everyone gets to see that for life. That never goes away, right? And most people, again, just don't have any idea about that. And again, the repercussions of giving a deposition, of possibly saying something that could come back and bite you. And again, now you have an attorney who's not even a nurse. So who doesn't even understand your scope of practice, doesn't understand that maybe even what you're saying is a violation of standard of care that could put you in front of the board of nursing. Oh my gosh. I just am like, I, scared. I mean, I've I, the culture of nursing is, is malpractice. It is. No, that's actually real. <laughs> nurse don't, they don't, nurses don't realize it. I mean, it's no. just that we do every day. Every day, because it's the culture, right? right? When the nurse got on, she gave her deposition and I, she got reported to the border, unfortunately, when she literally put her right hand up and said she took the patient off the monitor in a telemetry unit without a physician order because it was the culture. The patient went to MRI, had been chasing their blood sugar, was given a benzodiazepine and died. Mm-hmm. How can you defend that? It was the culture. Because you know they put the policy up on the big screen, right? <laughs> From radiology transport to your SBAR communication to, because again, those are all the community, you're held to so many things. So there was like 30 policies that were put on the up on the big screen that she had to defend, all of them. MRI didn't initiate CPR. I mean, they didn't check a blood sugar at a code. The code sheet was for... For, filled out poorly. They didn't even check that they're bagging the patient. Again, you and I already know that that's true, but you know, not charted, not done. And now again, you're at Walmart. That's your jury. And that's <laughs> up on the big screen. And it's written like kindergartners wrote it, read it, wrote it, right? Are you used the abbreviations that were not even appropriate in that setting? So everyone who's reading the chart is trying to figure out what you were even trying to say. And oh, by the way, this is two years ago. Do you remember it? Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> Okay. So one thing you're doing is the band-aid part um, mm-hmm. uh, when it's too late, but they need an advocate and they need someone to defend mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, 
but what I, is I, it? I don't give legal advice and I don't give, I'm not a lawyer. I just have to interject that. Cause you know, I could get in trouble and lawyers get very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah say, lawyers. say whatever you need to Sorry, say, but just my, yes, thank you. That's just my two seconds. I don't give legal advice. I don't give medical advice. This I'm is, not a lawyer. So she only plays one on TV folks. Um, <laughs> so what can nurses do to prevent things like that while you're changing the world? So you got to get either malpractice or liability insurance. It will get you an administrative lawyer. It'll get you a malpractice and uh-huh. law. So if you get deposed, you can call your own lawyer. You don't have to rely on the hospital's lawyer. So you can call your own independent lawyer who's going to help you do that. Now you can do that without malpractice insurance, but did you have 30000 or $100,000 just to call John Smith, the lawyer to come over and help you? Probably not. Right. So that's why you get liability insurance. And all you do is it, I have it literally because I testify and it's $150 a year. It's nothing crazy. You call them. It's like homeowners insurance or car insurance. You call them. This is what I do. They say they have underwriters. Okay. Well, you need this, this, and this for most RNs. It's normally just about a hundred dollars a year. So that is number mm. one, right? And then know your discipline, understand we are professionals. If we want to be treated like that, then we need to behave like that. And part of that is demanding respect. Say no, stand up for yourself, know what your limitations are. And if you have to say, and I've done it, you've heard me, right? I'll go to the Nurse Practice Act and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, CNO Smith, I'm just reading from the Nurse Practice Act. Did you want me to violate it? I'm just asking. I mean, uh, it's 217-111-1A. I'm just asking, did, did you want me to violate that, ma'am, sir? I, I mean, and then do you, do- recorded. I'm in a single recording state and you're being recorded. But, I mean, absolutely. Just tell me what you want to do. Do you want me to violate? Maggie, do you think the scope of practice in the Nurse Practice Act are reflective of, um, are reflective of nursing as a profession in that, like, you can use those documents to say no because they are, they're, they represent our scope. They represent like they're, they're solid. So those along with evidence-based practices. So you're being asked to float to a unit. You've never had the education and training. The board of nursing clearly says in there, and on one of my TikToks, I quoted it. It says that you as the nurse have a duty to try to get orientation and, and, and training in that unit. It says right there. So they're trying to float you, which you're, I'm okay with floating, right? I'll float to a unit if I'm being floated. To, so if I'm, not, if I'm an ICU nurse and I'm being floated to Telly, I just need an orientation to the unit. Tell me where the Pixis is at. Make sure my Pixis access works here. Where's the computers? What do I chart? Where's the bathroom? If I'm an ICU nurse, I'm going to L&D. No, I'm being cross-trained, right? That's a three-month orientation, right? Telly to, or ICU to Telly. No, I just need to tell me the surroundings. Let me get a flow. That might be two to four hours on that unit, depending on what your comfort level is. I see you to L&D. That's a whole, where's the uterus again? I'm sorry, what? Where? Where's that organ? <laughs> so that's a, but that's a simple thing nurses can do is really understand their scope of practice in the Nurse Practice Act. And I think there's a lot of, um, again, I think this is cultural, at least in my experience, it was like, well, I'm super busy. You know, I don't have time and liability insurance, the hospital's got my back, right? Like, I think that's kind of the culture. You just assume it. You don't, you don't question that that might not be true. At least, you know, when I think back to my, you know, right when I got out of the military and into the civilian sector, I don't think about that. I was in the military, right? Like, it's the same. 
Right. No, exactly. You know, not to, totally <laughs> not to totally admit that I'm a total agree. ignoramus, but <laughs> I don't think any of us know that we're caretakers, we're moms, we're women. And I'm being sexist, but I mean, 90% of us are not, but we're the caretakers, right? Yes. Give me five more patients. Yes. I'll stay four more hours. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I'll help out. Mm. Right. And we're just, we're, we're breathing that culture. And again, they're like, no, if you have malpractice insurance, they're going to go after you because mm-hmm. who knows you have insurance. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. And yep. who's, who, you don't even have to tell anyone if you choose that in that case, your name is in that case, but you don't feel threatened or you feel <sighs> like you're not going to be named in it. You don't even have to. Oh use my gosh. That's the insidious thing. It's like, something that was spread to prevent nurses from something untrue that was spread like lack of common sense. You don't have to tell anybody you have insurance. What do you mean? They're going to come after you if they have it. They, they say it though. I know they they do. They do. They don't don't want us to have insurance. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, then you're going to get a lawyer. And if you like in uh, most states have tort laws. So in Texas, it's $250,000 unless you can show systemic issues. So that would be the hospital, right? So if you can show that they weren't, they didn't have scanners, they didn't, they weren't, there was multiple people within the organization, then that can rise to the level of $500,000, right? So again, mm-hmm. why wouldn't, if the, the hospital has no vested interest in protecting the nurse to a certain degree, right? Because again, if it will throw the nurse under the bus to a certain degree, then they're not going to fall on their sword. They're not. Or they're going to use you to protect them. their asses. <laughs> right. And again, do you think the doctor's going to to protect you? Everybody get behind the nurses. <laughs> right. We use them as a body shield. But I do love the simple things nurses can do right now today to help them, you know, help they themselves know. in the system, right? Get your they insurance. Know. But we don't know. That's the yeah, thing. Like, like, Wednesdays we don't are for know. Bible study. Thursdays are for Nurse Practice Act study. Like, yeah. get a group the, of nurses yeah. together. And-, and study your Nurse Practice Act in your state and read your, read your pre- scope of practice and understand it and know it. And if you don't understand it, go figure out what you don't understand and get insurance and who do cares? some role-playing case studying, get the whole, I mean, yeah, it's like you, there are plenty of cases out there. I tell nurses, you know, you can Google nurses being deposed and you can watch a nurse being deposed. Look up your specialty, whatever it is, OR nurse being deposed, ER nurse being deposed and watch a civil case, watch a nurse being ripped apart on the stand. I want you to watch it. I think that would be very humbling. Then you're like, Oh shit. Hold on, that happened, or there's plenty of journals out there. There's medical malpractice lawsuits. They go from the top to the very end, and they just talk about cases and how the stuff that we see every day, you're like, holy shit, oh my gosh, that could have been us. And there it is. Patient fell off the cath lab table. That case happens a lot. Truly, patient falls off the operating table. What did you do? Picked them up and put it back on the table. (laughs) So they had a hip fracture. Fingers crossed. (laughs) I mean, so oh, just... that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> no, that's terrible. OR humor. No, I'm sorry. Yes. That's not appropriate. I was no. not. <laughs> no, maybe oh, we'll but... cut that part out. It's the, it's the darkness within us. <laughs> There's plenty of us. If we all like those nurses who refused, was this, did you guys hear about this? Minnesota. I feel like it was up nurse up North. All of them on the night shift refused to, to clock in until they had safe assignments. All of them. <gasps> that's yes that's See, amazing you don't need you don't need an if, if you if if your unit consciously 
you get together and even if it's 50% of you, that's going to be enough. You consciously decide to change Mm -hmm. the culture Mm -hmm. and you get buy-in from 50%. Like maybe they listen to this podcast or they hear you somewhere right. and the nurse and goes, anyone who's right. trying to write you up for insubordination, don't sign it. Absolutely do not sign insubordination. If you were questioning a patient safety issue, again, they want you to take a fourth patient, a third patient, whatever it is, and they want to write you up for insubordination, sit there and nod your head. Do not sign that. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'll be submitting my response later that we time to date it. Thank you. And who should I email that to, sir or ma'am? Don't sign that shit. Are you kidding me? Insubordin- insubordination for what? Discussing patient safety issues that I really have. You're not the you boss want- of me. Well, correct. And again, that's when you're talking about the board of nursing. And again, I would be questioning and I'd be walking to the CNO's office. So I, I just want to be clear that, okay, so I'm questioning a patient safety issue that does fall under the whistleblower protections under the Nurse Practice Act. So did, did you want me to read those to you, ma'am, sir? I mean, I'm here for you, but I mean, <laughs> whatever you want to do. I mean, I have the book myself in my bag, but I mean, it's Googleable. We can look it up. I don't. But I that. think I think there's so much fear behind being of. There's so much fear behind being Talk able to stand, game. No, to be I'm able no, to stand no, up no. for yourself, right? Like you go in there now and there's your this. Livelihood. Now it's your livelihood. Now you're not going to practice again. Right now, if you get reported to the board of nursing, you get your license revoked. If you get your license revoked, you don't get another license. Yeah. Any nurse listening. Someone's got to go first. Right. You you can't be, you're not going to be a real estate agent. You're not going to be a cosmetologist. You got the most trusted professional license revoked. You're not going to hold it. But I think, I think some of it, listening to you talk about kind of the way that you would respond is very matter of fact and, you know, and calm and like, Hey, no, I'm not signing that. Do you know that the nurse, right? Like even some education around how do I actually talk Mm. to my, my, my bosses, my, you know, the hospital, how do I talk to them so that I'm not so caught up in the emotion and the fear of you know, the discipline or the punishment or whatever that you can make sense. Cause once that reptilian brain takes over, it's sort of over for the, it, it, but it sounds like if you know the law, if you just educate yourself and you know, you're standing on legal ground, you don't mm-hmm. get caught up. Yeah. But you know what we had, so we had a surgical tech that I worked with for a long time and he knew the law and he would get really pissed off when like breaks weren't given. And he was the only one that would speak out and say, did you know that we're required to do like he knew. And you know what happened? Nobody listened to him. Not the nurses, not the other techs. Like they, nobody, in fact, he became a pain in everybody's ass. Right. Because he was constantly like pointing out that we had rights. Well, and that's why people don't like me. That's why I'm called animated and activated because the sheep that I stand next to and I'm talking about the RNs don't want, they just want to be sheep. When I'm like, stop, we cannot be a part of this. Like I refuse to be, when I'm on cath lab call and it's 3.30, I'm not circulating an elective EP case because if someone comes in the emergency room, a STEMI, how will I ever defend? I just gave fentanyl and percent to that patient. Who's going to come and relieve me in the cath lab? No. And of course they want to know part of me saying that I was unionizing the nurses. No, I know what my discipline is. Now I would have to put it in my right hand. If we all stand here and refuse to circulate elected EP cases, you know what they're going to have to do? Hire EP staff. Just because that's the moneymaker and the cath lab is not, it's not my problem. Well, you have me on call. Nurses, I, I think another answer to that question, Antra, that, I mean, or, or 
the scenario you just gave with that tech that became a pain in everyone's ass is because everyone else didn't know what Maggie, they, they figured right. that the hospitals got my back. That's mm-hmm. what they, if you knew that the carpet you're standing on does not have a floor beneath it. Mm-hmm. And if somebody pulls it out, you're going to fall mm-hmm. and, and, and no one's going to catch you. And if ignorance everybody knew that they would start speaking up, but right. they don't and know that. Correct. And ignorance is never defense in any of those uh, administrative civilly or, or criminally, they will say, they'll pull up that law yeah. that you just talked about. And they'll just say, that's not my problem. You're ignorant. You can't say, I don't know. I didn't know. You can't say that. No. Well, I, yeah, you can't. Not a defense. This is I like think, a little bit like. I, well, no, I, I think this is part one. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I mean, this, this is part one. This is the overview. I mean, I think we need to have you back or figure out, you know, how we could do Some something education. else with you and taking each one of those, you know, the, the this is the way things are for now. Uh, that 99% of nurses don't know that this is how things are. Mm-hmm. That needs to be done just over four hours. <laughs> yeah. Then the middle is now that you know the way things are, this is what you do not do while they're like this. And number three is this is how we all change things. I mean, those and then in the be. meantime, you get some, <laughs> instead of Bible studies, you get some nurse practices act groups together and study. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe what we need are scope of practice and nurse practice act tarted, you know, actually written in a way that people can read that, that it makes sense to them. Right. Karen's really good at taking something that's um, sort of complicated and saying, okay, this is what it really means. And it's super helpful. Like to, and I think nurses would really appreciate that because honestly, like, yes, I, I hear you. It's that would so be such um, a fun book, the tarted so, nurse practice. Right, it's act. so important, but like, oh, you really? I got to read that. That's like, how how long is that? It's so boring. Right? That'd be fun because, to do, Maggie. Well, you, you should be our. We should all write a book, like a tarted nurse practice it, act. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it it would make it so much easier for nurses, and nurses would want to do it. Right? Yeah. They'd understand it. Honestly. I honestly feel like, because how many, there's what, 32, 35 compact states. So that means that they all recognize that we all have the same standards of care, mm-hmm. right? California will probably be the last to come on board <laughs> because it's all money driven. In my two cents, my opinion, that's just my opinion. But I mean, in the next decade, we're all going to have one license. You can practice anywhere, right? And so part of that, I feel like that education and that duty we have to nurses is education. Mm-hmm. That means even implementing that into school. I, I truly believe that. Oh, before they even get to the workforce. Absolutely. You know how much more useful those four years of nursing school would have been if they just, I mean, I learned everything I needed to know in the three months orientation. Just spend the four years talking about the nurse act. Well, but the nurse that's act the thing. <laughs> but that's the thing too. Like if they came out of school really knowing that stuff, yes. th- then they they they'd find themselves in a culture that was you know that they didn't understand, and they would be able to say no because they understood what their yeah, rights were. This and you're fired. Fired. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then some nurses get confused because like Michigan doesn't have a board of nursing; they fall under eight uh, health and human services. 
So they don't have like a nurse practice act per se, but they have rules and regulations that are adopted that fall under occupational law. And that's what mandates their license. But I agree. I feel like once we go all to compact that having just one nurse practice act is how it should be. Right. And then each state's I guess would we'll de- decide how they would discipline nurses. So if that's the way it's going, I did see a map recently of all the compact states. I was like, well, Pacific Northwest and the, you know, California, we're like really lagging behind. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway like, maybe maybe we maybe we need to just write that compact nurse state practice app, you know, that's for right. all of us. Like maybe we should just do it and and present it to the present it. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Council for State Boards of Nursing is the one who um, dictates that. And actually, the executive director for the NCBSN is actually the executive director for the Texas Board of Nursing. So uh, presenting it to, to them actually uh, might be a, a good idea. But And um, jurisprudence is required in the state of Texas. Jurisprudence is the intersection between your law and the license and we are required to take it and then I have to take it every third cycle. I think it should be taught in school. I don't think you should wait till you come out. And I think my state is the only one that requires it. Yeah. Licensure. Yeah, no, it's yeah, I've never even heard of that. <laughs> so that's the other thing that I suggest that nurse take. <laughs> most nurses have to take CEUs. It is, I believe, a seven hour the initial course. But then you have all those resources, those references. It is a lot to digest, but the education that you take away from it is priceless, honestly. And that's from Texas. It does come out of Texas, yes. Huh, that's so interesting. Nothing. Yeah, we had the, the only thing we border nursing website is called Jurisprudence. Uh-huh. You can link onto that, and it'll take you to resources, signing up for it, and it's I'm sure so- there's other classes. It's so interesting because like in the state of Oregon, when you, when you first apply for your nursing license, you have to do like a five hour course on pain management. Like there was a lawsuit. Something happened there. There was yeah, a must have been. That's it. Right. And it's just such a like weird, like Texas has a seven hour course on jurisprudence. And here I am like, oh gosh, okay. Like I work in the OR, like this pain stuff. I already know. Like, it's just so disconnected and fragmented. It's you just- guys have to take forensic. We're required to take a forensic nope. CPU as well. Nope. One. Nope. Nope. That's all we have to do. That's it. And you only have to do it once when you get your license. You don't have to renew it. You don't have nothing. Where are you guys both licensed at? I'm in Oregon. California. California. Do you guys both have continuing education requirements? No, we have none, except that pain thing. We do. Texas has 20 hours. How many do you have? 30. 30 in California. Every two years or every- Every two, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the disconnection and the fragmentation, that's the other thing. I love that the compact states that they're- that that's coming together. Um, but I think that this is a very opportune time to get ourselves in there as nurses to make it what we want, because it's not, it's not a, it's not one nation yet. Well, it's right? the, it's the constant, like a nursing yeah. constitution. Like mm-hmm. every state has a right to have differences, little nuances in the, their nursing practice, but the core and fundamentals, there's mm-hmm. not really a, it's kind of like, Duh. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you need oxygen in Texas, you need oxygen in Ohio and you need, you know, it's like the basic carbon, hydrogen mm-hmm. and oxygen of, of the mm-hmm. nurse practice right. act should be right. the same. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, play with the nuance. It's fine. But right. 
Yeah. Ugh. This is like a brain exploder. Look at, look at her just fire, fire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I Matt, love my people. How- I just don't want them to be, because a lot of times, right, I am the one, I am chicken little, right? Because by the time that someone calls me, right, they're, <laughs> it's, they're already in front of the board of nursing, right? They've got allegations in their hand, right? And so now we're doing, you know, we're backstroking. We're just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. What I want for nurses not to be in that position, to do everything they can not to do that, to remember that it is your livelihood and your practice. And I don't give a shit. You can have a job tomorrow. Quit. Leave. You know what I mean? Why yeah. are you staying at a place that's not safe? So and what? And you think shit about you? No. They're going to step, you fall, they're going to step over you. Next! Get the next nurse in here. They give two shits about you. I mean, let's be real. We know this. Go and it's not like there are other jobs out there. Hello. And the nurse thing. That. I'm like, then call me. We'll do some career code because maybe you need right. something else. Well, right. you've, and we've, we've enabled it. We've enabled oh, it. Yeah. Yes. We've, we've put up with what, you know, you only put up with what you think you deserve. And that's changing. You know, there's more people like this. Okay, what do we do? Because we don't deserve this. This this, this shit's got to change. Yeah. So a couple of resources beside yourself. Um, do you blog? Do you like? You I said mean, TikTok. TikTok. Yep. At Advocates. I don't keep it crazy. Advocates for Nurses is my handle everywhere. Twitter, IG, Facebook, TikTok. And then I have AdvocatesforNurses.com. AdvocatesforNurses.com. Yep. So I was right. actually working on earlier, actually working on talking about the difference between negligence and malpractice because nurses don't understand the definition of those. So my blog for this Friday is actually that negligence versus malpractice and what that means to a nurse. And if a nurse, if a nurse called you after hearing this podcast and said, Hey, I just really want to know more about my nurse practice act or scope of practice or like, can you prudence? Yeah. Can, can they just contact you? Will you give them the the breadcrumb trail and tell them where to go? Yep. Uh, Advocates for nurses at gmail.com. And then, um, because literally like, let's like, uh, it's a call right now. Like be proactive. Don't call Maggie when you're already in the hole, call her before be, be informed use that website as a, a resource to educate mm-hmm. yourself. Is there anything else you could think of like that you think is a really important resource for nurses to educate themselves? So they're on there as well. There are uh, places that you can complain, right? If you've been fired, terminated, there's like links to all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, being just, I think like what you keep saying is that you only you, you only say? put up with what you think yes. you deserve. Correct. I don't even know if it's then, proper English, but it makes it, sense. It to me. is, but that is true. You teach people how to treat you, right? Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. like, what do I think is important, right? When I when it, when I do agency work or I walk into a new unit and the physician or staff doesn't know me, you know what? I walk up to the physician. Mm-hmm. My name is Maggie, right? I don't mm-hmm. care if you don't know who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Now, right? You right. when I walk into the patient's room, I introduce myself. I shake their hand, mm-hmm. and people have often asked me, "Why do you do that?" I just entered their house, right? That That's being respectful, right? And not only that, you know who's going to be less likely to sue? Someone who felt like that you were being respectful to them. You think Grandma Sally Sue was going to sue me because I was I gave her 12 blankets? Oh my gosh, Maggie was so nice to me. It was so 
So be professional in your work environment as well. What you do at the nurse station is different than what you should be doing in the room. So demand respect, behave in a respectful mm -hmm. manner and the demand the people around you treat you in a respectful right. manner. You go in there and you shake his hand or her hand and you look them in the eye and you say, my name is Antra and I will be your nurse today, right? Or I will be the nurse in the room, whatever you want to say. But you look them in the eye and you give them a firm handshake that I... I have had. I am like, competent because yeah, that's a situation right. as well. And you could be involving them in a legal case as well. I am competent and I'm mm -hmm. here and I'm part of the team. Yep. Yep. Part of that is communication. I think that's huge. Yeah. One communication. Of the that's, reasons, that's what it is right there. That's the, the reason civil criminally and administratively why anyone stands in front of a board is communication. Yep. And there's lot, tons of research to oh. show that it really can produce terrible mm -hmm. outcomes. Yeah. If it's so for that's I think you're spot on there, Karen. That that is really and we have to start behaving like that. Mm -hmm. We have to change the culture. We are professionals. We are educated. Mm -hmm. We need to demand respect and behave. Practice your your full capability. If you're new to a discipline, if you're new to a cath lab, introduce yourself to your world. Right? Yeah. Look up the drugs that you're using. Be competent. Ask questions. If you're unsure, say, can we stop for a minute? Because I'm not sure about that. You just asked me to give 90 milligrams of the denosine. Yes, in the cath lab, we do that, right? Now, in other studies, you may never do that. Clarify, ask questions, be competent. And eat some humble pie and, you know, reach out to your techs who've been techs for oh, years. My man's and a tech, yeah. The ones, the ones that have been there and they know their jobs, like humble pie has saved me so many times because I learn. The most important thing that will change things around not only in a nurse's profession but in any human's life is the question it's if you're we only put up with what we think we deserve but it's not like you can turn it around there's a reason you're not and when you find the reason that you care so much about people who treat you so badly that one thing why do i care so much about a system or a person mm -hmm. or something that treats mm -hmm. me so badly. Mm -hmm. Look there. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. That's root, root cause, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is a bandaid. You can't just right. turn it around. No. You have to know because when you find the answer to that question, mm -hmm. then being treated that way is intolerable. Yeah. You won't. You just won't do it anymore. Yeah. 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 That does come with confidence. And we know this, right? Like within the first five years, we're still trying to figure out medical world. You can't look up. You're, you're still, once you get back past five years, you're a lot more comfortable. 10 years, you're jaded up. Stop it. Now you're, <laughs> you're jaded up. You're jaded you're up. Calloused. <laughs> <laughs> you walk into the hospital, you're like, I just clocked into the business of healthcare. I mean, yeah. it's real. You come from the operating room and I'm in the cap EP, you know that's a business. Totally. Right? totally. You know that's a business. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's we Say that again? The operating room, we treat like gods, right? Because you guys make the money of the hospital. So the way that the OR is treated by anesthesia, by other providers, Everybody. different than, because you got, the OR is the money moker of the hospital. The mm -hmm. ER, redhead stepchildren, you know, those folks aren't paying. 
right? The OR is the moneymaker. So we treat them way different. Yes. Shake your moneymaker. <laughs> but, but within that, within that silo, we still as nurses don't, you know, we don't, we don't know our nurse practice acts. We don't know our scope of practice, you know, forwards and backwards. We don't know that we should have insurance, you know, because of exactly what you said. Oh, then you're going to get sued. Like, I think I heard that so many times in my career. I was like, that's weird. And then of course I never got insurance. Right. (laughs) The other other last really key thing is just the documentation. And I speak about this because it's two years from now it, you know, and you document it solid, you know, patient was given this drug. This is what you did. Well, okay. It's all there. It's, but yeah. If and if you properly- don't have time on your shift to document as things happen, if you're doing all your documentation mm-hmm. at the end of a shift, that's not safe practice. Mm-hmm. That is not in the nurse practice act in the nurse practice act. You document stuff as it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you try, and you try to, but again, it, you're spot on because why is it that I'm having to chart this at the end of my shift? Is it my assignment not appropriate, right? Am I not able to give the care that I need to? Because again, the documentation, that chart is not ours. It is a reflection of the care that we're providing to the patient. It's a federal document that we don't own. It is our responsibility to keep it updated. Yeah. So any nurse that's documenting all that chisel at the end, I don't know if I'm saying something that's correct, but you can, that's malpractice. But they're going to look at that. So again, now it's going to be time standard when you started charting on that. It, it is acceptable because maybe it is you had two codes in a row and you're trying Post to stay note. Alive. You can do that. Right. As long as you're saying, you know, late entry or you're making a note, this is the care that you did. Or you can even say like under testimony, you can say in my normal practice, because we all do things normally. I walk in the ICU, I label all my pumps, I check my, whatever it is, you, you can say that on, if you're deposed. If you're under oath, you can say in my normal practice, this is what I would have normally done. Can you, what I can you imagine having a, a like part as part of orientation, like say you go to the ICU and it looks, you know, Karen and I have been talking to a lot of, you know, innovators and some of the solution to, to the, you know, nurses going into the workforce being unprepared is let's put them right in the ICU. Let's put them right in the OR. Let's, you know, let's get rid of this idea that they have to have two years of med surge or whatever. But like the, the mentorship and the preceptorships could be, there could be a program just on documentation because whoever gets that, like real, not just this is how you use Epic, but how do you document correctly in an ICU? Right? How do you do it in an OR? I mean, I think because as a nursing student, you you learn some of that, but until you're actually on the floor and doing it, it's it's a little bit. Or even in the metaverse, right? You could do it in a metaverse simulation. Or right, this is one of the webinars that I'm working on using the nursing care plan to chart. People like I don't know how to chart. I'm like, yes, you do. Remember the nursing care plan? Use that. Okay, chest pain. All right, so here we go. Patients assigning chest pain. This is what you're doing. You're just documenting everything you're already doing. You're using what, how do you know to do that? Because you, you wrote that care plan 5,000 times. That's why, right? You already know you're going to use the nursing care plan and you're just documenting to that. Like, of course, you know what to document. But I think it, I think there's some, there could be some real value in the education piece of oh, that, yeah. of really like showing people, showing nurses how to do it. And I, what I love about this conversation is there's so many things that nurses can do right now. To become, yep. to, 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 to become better professionals, professionals, to, 
protect yeah. themselves. Like right now, there are yeah. so many things nurses can do. Yeah. Maggie, that was invaluable. And yeah, was I can't so wait good. to have you back. And we yeah. have to talk about um, how to expand on it and, yeah. and give you a mic with an amp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so. just what you want, right, Maggie? <laughs> Actually, I do. I wish people would start listening because, again, I don't want my people to stand in front of the board. This is literally their well, livelihood. We're listening and yeah, we're going to make really. sure you're you're heard and more people hear you. So, yeah. Thank you so amazing. much. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Yeah. So don't, don't get off. <laughs> we have to off. figure out a smooth closer for <laughs> that. Know, this know. is the part where we say, we're say we're going to say goodbye and we act like we're all saying goodbye and thank you, but we don't. So oh, okay. bye. Bye. Maggie. bye. Renegades.